Well, good morning. couple things before we get started. Number one, first of all, everyone say, way to go, Chaz. Way to go, Chaz. He went down to Cincinnati to send our love down to uh, our friends uh, in Bethel at uh, Faith Family Church in Faith Chapel. Faith Chapel Church in Bethel, Ohio, and he proceeded to lose in golf. Um, thankfully, Miss Tanya held up her end of the shopping uh, wars and she won those so uh we evened out last no our prayers do go down to uh miss uh connie down there and uh all the church down there we prayed for them last week but we want to send our prayers down uh as you guys all know our good friend uh pastor james james taylor uh passed away a year ago and this was his anniversary date of his passing and so pastor Chaz was down there preaching a wonderful message and uh we just send our love down to them as well I also want to lift up uh, just a few people. We're going to pray for a moment here and just ask the Lord to bless. Uh, we have a couple individuals who are dealing with some sickness. Uh, if you keep Pam and Steve in your prayers. And then also keep uh, Lucas Campbell in your prayers too. He had a uh, car accident yesterday. And so he is doing well, but just really, really sore. So if you'll keep them in your prayers, uh, that would be wonderful. In fact, let's pray for them now. Will you join with me, please? Father, we thank you so much for all that you're doing in our midst, and we thank you that you hear our prayers as we lift up those to you who are sick. Uh, There's so many people, Father, in our world, but specifically we're thinking of uh, Miss Pam and, and Steve, and just ask you that you'd bless them, that you would heal them, that you'd keep them uh, protected, and that you would just bring them to full health again, Father. Lord, we also want to lift up Lucas uh, to you, Father, and just ask you that you bless him, that you uh, take away any soreness, any headaches, anything that he has going on now from his accident that he had yesterday, Father. Lord, we thank you for uh, providing safety in the way that you have, and we just ask you that you continue to bless them, and uh, bless him, Father, and, and just help him to overcome these, uh, these little bumps and bruises that he has from this accident, Father. Lord, we thank you for all that you're doing. We thank you for all that you have done. We just look towards you today and ask you that you would guide us, strengthen us, and help us to do your will. And I pray my words would not be my own, Father, but they would truly be yours, that we can hear from you and everything that you would say to us today. We give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So I like to plan things out. I am a planner, especially when it comes to sermons, especially when it comes to series. Uh, I usually, uh, before the beginning of the year, have the whole entire year planned out in a series of sermons that I want to do, and I talk about those things, and and usually that's the case. Well, as you all know, we have been doing the Fruits of the Spirit uh, sermon series. We wrapped that up last week. I opened up my sermon plan, I looked at it, and I had a blank week. And I went, that's not cool, God. (laughs) You know, how do I forget to plan something? Well, um, so I started praying about it and asking the Lord, what would you want me to say today? What would you want me to talk about today? How would you let me to share this message that you have for us today? What is it that you'd want me to share? And as I started to do this, I started to think about, you know, let's get serious for a moment. The, 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 the idea of being serious in our faith came across in my mind and I started thinking about the gloves coming off. You know, when you go into a boxing ring, you put on these gloves and you put on the gloves because you're going to be hitting someone, right? And you don't want to hurt your knuckles and you don't want to really hurt the, I mean, let's, let's face it, you're hurting someone even with the boxing gloves on, right? But they do that for protection. But when you hear someone say they're taking the gloves off, what does that mean? That means it's getting serious now, right? The uh, proverbial stuff is going to hit the fan, Jay, right? <laughs> so we're, we're going to get serious for a moment. As I thought about that, I was thinking to myself, man, is this what you're asking me to talk about today, Lord? Is it, are you asking me to get serious about what we're doing here? Are you asking me to get serious about our faith? Are you asking me to get serious about it? And, and of course, all of the, those answers are yes. Before I begin, though, I want to warn you that some of the things I say today may not be the easiest things to hear. They weren't for me as I was preparing this message. In fact, one of the things that I want to talk to you about is Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. If you attend this church or you attend any other church, it could be this church, it could be a different church, it could be any church, but if you attend a church and you are part of that church, then what you are actually doing is you are submitting yourself to the leadership of that church, meaning the pastors 
of that church and the leaders of that church are responsible for your health and your growth. That's part of being part of a church. That's what it means to be part of a church is that we now as a leadership, see, as a leader, as a pastor of this church, it is my responsibility to give an account for your faith. Now, ultimately, you're responsible for your own faith. Ultimately, it's your faith that you get to choose and you, and you choose whether you're going to follow God or not. But what I have to do as a pastor is give an account to God for how I have helped you either grow or not grow in your faith. That is what scripture tells us. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls. As those who, let me try that again, as those who will have to give an account, let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Now, as I read this verse and as I was thinking about this, I'm thinking, Lord, you mean I have to be responsible for Corey? That's, that's really scary. I'm just kidding, Corey, right? <laughs> Jay actually popped in my mind. Not you, Corey. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I <feel like> yeah. <laughs> no, but the honest, the, truth, the honest truth here is that it is my job to encourage you all in this place to either grow in your faith or to deal with what the Lord is asking you to deal with. As I was thinking about this, and as I was thinking about this message, I I often pray about this because my prayer for all of you in this room and anyone who attends our church is that I just sit back and I go, Lord, please let them hear from you. Let them grow in their faith. Let them walk in their faith. Let them grow and become more than what they are today. I pray every single day for the health of your life and the health of your walk and the, the health of your Christian life. And where you're at. That's my job as a pastor. And I think about that. And I ask the Lord, what is it can I do? What is it that I can do to help them continue to grow in that place? One of the things, actually two things came to mind that the Lord ultimately gave to me. And he said, what are we doing with our talents? We're going to ask in here in a moment. And we're going to read this verse in a moment, the, the parable of the talents. I'm sure you understand that, and I'm sure you probably read this sermon before, or read, read, you didn't read this sermon, but I'm sure you've read that verse before and heard about what the parable of the talents is all about. And then there's this, also this message that I feel like God is asking us today is to worship God always, to always worship him. You know, ultimately it is, your responsibility for your faith, and as I said before, I have to give an account for that. And for years, you know, I've, I've, I've thought about, for, for 15 years, actually, I've been trying to develop this craft and develop this idea, how do you, do you, do, do you push, do you not push? To some people, they need that push. Pastor Chaz needs that push, because when he gets out on the golf course, I know this man so well on the golf course, and actually, secret Pastor Jamie actually taught me this. If you get Pastor Chaz really, really mad on the first hole of the golf course, the rest of the game is done. So if you can get him out there and you can beat him that very first hole, the rest of the game... No, I'm kidding, Pastor Chaz. But that's pretty close to being true, isn't it? Yes. But there's different ways that each one of us respond, right? Some of us need that push. Some of us need that... Come on, let's go. We can do it. We can keep it. We can, we can make it. You can continue going. Your faith is not done yet. Keep pushing. Keep growing. Keep reaching. Then there's others that just need that loving touch. The encouragement of what they have. What God is doing inside of them. And what God has made real to them. See, each one of us has a way that we have to deal with what the Lord is giving to us. This message today is really about how and what are we doing with what God has given to us. God has given each and every one of us in this room and anyone that's watching online has given us talents and treasures and beauties and all of these things. But the question is, what are we doing with them? If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 25. We're going to be starting in verse 14 and reading through verse 28. It's a little bit of a long passage, but bear with us. Bear with me as we read through this. 
This is Jesus speaking. He's giving this parable. He says, For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. I want to pause just there for a moment and and let you understand. Jesus is giving this parable to his people. But what he's saying in this very parable is that a man going on a journey calls to his servants and he gives them certain things. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. My question to you is often, do you ever ask the Lord, Lord, why don't I have the talents like someone else has? Why can't I sing and play guitar like Corey does? Why can't I play the piano like my wife does? Why can't I do this? Why can't I do that? Certain talents are given to certain people because that's what God has entrusted in you to do. Does that mean the talents that God gave you are less than what they have given to Corey or Jen or Chaz or anyone else? No, not at all. And in fact, this man who's giving talents in this parable to, these, to his servants is giving them according to his ability. See, some of us have the ability to take on 5, 10, 15, 20 talents. Other, and when I say talents, it's not necessarily just money as though this parable talks about, what this is actually talking about, what Jesus is trying to say is that he's giving to you the ability to do certain things. Some people have the ability, listen, the older I get, the less ability that I, I thought I used to have. It's kind of, Trista's really weird. It's kind of going away, you know? It's like, I have to stop for a moment. It takes me a lot longer to think about things than what it used to. Maybe it's COVID brain, maybe it's old man brain. I think it's probably more old man brain than anything else, Right? When I read the Bible now, I used to be able to open up the Bible and read. Now I have to go, wait a minute, i got to find the right spot in my glasses. Oh, there we go, now I can read it. But each one of us has talents that the Lord gives to us. Everyone who has bifocals or trifocals on is laughing because they know exactly what I'm talking about. All of you that don't wear them, one day you'll find out, okay? Or hopefully you won't. But the Lord gives to each and every one of us different talents. He doesn't judge you and he doesn't judge these servants based upon the number of talents he gave to them. He judges them on what they do, what, he, what they do with the talents that he gives to them. And so that's a very important. Keep that in mind as we go through the rest of this verse. Verse 16 says, He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them. And he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much enter into the joy of your master and he also who had two talents came forward saying master you delivered to me two talents here i made you two talents more his master said to him well done good and faithful servant you have been faithful over a little i will set you over much enter into the joy of your master now before we go on do you understand that the response of the master to these two men or these two servants were exactly the same it had nothing to do with the amount of talents that he was bringing back to them or that they were bringing back to him i should say it was the same response The same response is given to us if we have lots of talents or we have no talents at all. It's what we do with them. God blesses each and every one of us with a skill set, with an opportunity, a way that we can share our faith, a way that we can be part of a local church, a way that we can do ministry, those types of things. He's giving them to you and he's saying, this is what I'm giving to you. What are you going to do with what the Lord has given to you? That's the question that we all have to ask in our mind. And the response isn't something else for this man who brought him back more. It's the same response. Then we get to verse 24. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. The man with one talent didn't go out and try to do anything. What did he do? He responded out of fear. 
He responded out of, I don't have the ability, I don't have the mindset, I don't have this, so what am I going to do? I'm going to go set on what I have. I'm going to go home to my house and take the skill set that the Lord has given to me, and I'm just going to sit on my couch and I'm going to let it stay there. I'm not going to return it to him. I'm not going to use it. I'm not going to prosper. In fact, not only did he say all of those things, but what did he say to these men? Or what did he say to his master? I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. I don't know about you, but that's not a way to endure yourself to a leader. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. The man is bringing back at least what the master had given to him. The response from the master obviously is very different. What does he say? He says, but his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scatter no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. The master comes back. He sees that this man has not done anything with the talent that God had given to, or that the master had given to him. And so what does he do? He says, take it and give it to the one that has ten. Now when I read that, when I read that parable, and I talk about this parable, there is a, a logical question that comes up in my mind. And that question is, what are you doing with your talents? Are you taking them and burying them in the ground and keeping them safe? When I relate this to today and the the present day church and where we're at today, and I'm not talking about just our church, but I'm talking about the church in general. When we take what this parable is saying and applying it to today, what that honestly is trying to say is that God has given each and every one of us a talent. He's given us abilities. He's given us He's given us the ability to sing. He's given us the ability to reach out to other people. He's given us the ability to uh, work with kids. He's given us the ability to do all of these wonderful things. But the question really is, is what are you doing with those talents? Are you taking those talents and burying them in the ground and keeping them safe? Present day would be literally you're taking your talent, taking the gift and the, 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 the skill that the Lord has given to you and saying, just not going to use it for my faith. Because I'm afraid. What if I say the wrong thing? What if someone makes fun of me? What if someone does this? What if someone does that? We have all these excuses in our head on what we do with the talents that the Lord has given to us and why we don't use them to help grow the kingdom of God. Now listen, I'm not just talking about, I am talking about our church here. That is part of what I'm talking about here. But I'm also talking about the kingdom of God in a whole. Because yes, we are a church, we're a local church, yes, we need volunteers, yes, we need people to help out, yes, we need be people part of the vision and the, and, and the direction that the Lord is sending us, and yes, we need all of those things. But really, what gets down to it is, what are we doing to grow the kingdom of God? The Lord has called you and I, there's no doubt about it, we are called to make disciples of all men. That's the very last thing that the Lord says to his disciples before they go off, is to make disciples of all men, teaching them to obey all of his commands, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is what Jesus commands us to do. And so the question really has to be asked to each and every one of us is, what are we doing with the talents that the Lord gave to us to grow his kingdom and fulfill his last commandment that he gave to us on this earth? You can't take a talent and bury it into the ground and never use it and expect God to be happy with it and return it to him and say, here, Lord, I give back the talent that I gave, that you gave to me. No, the Lord wants you to invest. He wants you to take that talent that he has given to you and he wants you to take a step of faith and he wants you to go out into the kingdom of God and he wants you to invest the talent that he has given to you into the kingdom of God to see the kingdom of God grow. Not everyone is called to be a pastor and that's okay. I get it. You know, for many years, 15, well, more than that, 20 years I spent in the business career. Many of you know that. Most of you know that. Maybe all of you know that. 
And I used to dream of becoming a pastor because I, I, I would dream of, man, I can't wait to see the difference I'm going to make in the kingdom of God when I become a pastor. I can't wait until I become full-time. I can't wait to do all of these things. And a good friend once told me, he looked at me square in the eye, and he says, why are you waiting for then? Go and do it now. In the business world, I used to hold daily Bible studies on my, in my office, and I'd invite the whole entire office to come. And a lot of times we'd have one or two people, sometimes we'd have many. Presidents of the company came, <laughs> vice president would come, all of these things. In fact, one of my relationships that I still have today, my vice president of marketing came to our Bible study that we were having, and he, after the Bible study, he looks at me, he goes, you know what, Jason? He goes, when I die... I want you to bury me. I said, I don't like digging that big of a hole. (laughs) He goes, that's not what I meant. I said, I know what you meant. I get it. I understand. And for years, I've had conversations with him. And even though we don't work together and we don't nearly talk to each other enough uh, or as much as I would like to, every once in a while, I get a letter in the mail or get an email. Yes, he still sends letters, by the way. Uh, or I get an email or I get a text saying, don't forget the promise you made me. And I'm like, dude, this is, so, is kind of depressing now, you know? I say all of this because today I look now at my life as a pastor, and one of the questions that I often ask myself is, am I making as big a difference in the kingdom of God now as I did then? See, I could have had all the excuses, and we do have many excuses, right? We're so busy, our job is this, we can't do this, we can't do that, we're so, you don't understand my workplace, you don't understand, yes, I do, I understand all of that, I get it. But when we use the talents that God gave to us in the place that he has put us, then we can see a big difference in the kingdom of God. See, your job is to share your faith no matter where you're at. Your job is not just to share your faith when to, to, to decide one day, I'm going to go out, I'm going to go out and evangelize. Right? That's a word that we don't use hardly ever anymore in the church. Some of you may not even know what that means. If you don't know what that means, that's okay. Evangelize means to share the gospel of Christ with people around you. When we make that decision to do that, though, we go out and we're kind of stepping out. We're making our Christian life separate from what our life in work is or the life. We're making this like an activity. See, what really is the Lord is asking is for us to make our life together. Our walk with Christ, our walk in the business field or whatever job or, or factory or wherever you work at are supposed to be one. Your faith is supposed to change everything about you. I often ask the Lord, am I doing enough with the talents that you've given to me? Sometimes I don't like the answer. Because <laughs> sometimes I fail. I'll be honest with you, sometimes I know that the Lord has said, no, you haven't been doing enough. The question isn't whether you're a pastor, the question isn't whether how many talents you have. You can't compare yourself to Corey, you can't compare yourself to Chad, you can't compare yourself to me or anyone else in this room. What you're supposed to compare yourself to is the kingdom of God and what are you doing with, with what God gave to you. That's what matters most. God doesn't ask us to compare what we did with the man who had five talents if we only had two. He asks us to compare ourselves with what we are doing with what he has given to us. And so the question has to be asked again, are you or what are you doing with the talents that he has given to you? The question I also ask myself, are we truly doing the absolute best you can with what God has given to you? See, the, first of all, there's this question of, are you using the talents that the Lord has given to you? But then the second question is, are you doing the absolute best that you can do? Are you doing the absolute best that you can do with what God has given to you? Meaning sometimes, let, let's face it, sometimes we like to take it easy, right? We like to just cozy up to the chair, put our feet up, the recliner. We don't want anyone to call us. We just want to relax. And that's okay. But the question I believe the Lord is asking you and I and what he's asking not only us but what he's saying in this parable is are we truly doing the best we can with what God has given to you and I? Are we truly doing the very best that we can? Are we truly 
putting all of our energy and effort? Or does the things of the Lord get what's left over after your day is complete? There's times my wife and I, we, we like to pray before we go to bed and we pray together and I laugh oftentimes because most of the time what happens is, you know, you know how it is, the regular routine of the day is you're busy doing all of these things and as soon as you hit the bed, it's like, right? Well, that's my wife, at least not me. I don't snore. Just kidding. But the question really has to ask, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting for me is that sometimes I feel like maybe we shouldn't pray at night because what happens is we both get in and we, you know, you start praying, oh Lord, thank you for this day. Please forgive me for my sins. And I just, I think I'll have, uh, what was it? Mustard on my Abraham Lincoln, right? That's what my wife said one time in bed as we were praying. (laughs) The question really though is sometimes we have to ask, are we doing it at the right time? Now, listen, the What the Lord is asking us through this parable is are you doing the best that you can with what he has given to you? The Lord has blessed you with talents. He's blessed you with all of these things. And it doesn't matter whether you've been one talent or you have five talents. You can have five talents and still not do the best you can with those five talents. You can have one talent and do great things. And you can have five and do nothing. It has nothing to do with the amount that the Lord has blessed you with. It has everything to do with what you're doing with what the Lord has given to you. That's the important part here. This is what he is asking us. I think there's some reality and some real questions that we have to ask here. The reality of this is that sometimes we allow all of everything in our life to take the place of our faith and what we should do. We allow everything else in our life to take priority inside of us, to take priority over who we are and what we're doing instead of asking the Lord, Lord, help me through this situation. Help me walk with you closer. Help me to do what you have called me to do. Help me to share with you Help me to share your kingdom with those around me. It's not easy. I get it. I know. But the devil wants to stop us from sharing the kingdom of God with people around us. He wants us to set on our talents. He wants us to bury our talents in the ground. He wants us to dig this big hole and drop our talent there. Because if we drop our talent in that ground and we never use it, then what's going to happen? The kingdom of God is not going to grow the way that it was supposed to grow. And I'll go as far as saying is that there are each and every one of you in this room, I don't care the age you are, you have a talent. You have a purpose. God has a strategy for you. He has a place that he wants you to go and he wants you to share your faith with those around you. Again, we're not individually responsible for someone's faith. That's up to God. I'm not saying today that if you don't go out and use the talent that the Lord has given to you that someone's not going to be saved. That's ludicrous for me to say. That would be part of the book that I think Corey and I should write called The Secret Sauce Theology, right? (laughs) But I believe today there are people that God has placed in your life right now whether it be on your work, your neighbors, your family, people here at church, somewhere in your life, God has placed someone in your life right now and he's asking for you to take the talents and the treasures and the skill sets that he's given to you and to reach out to them and help them come closer to God. Whether that's through discipleship, whether that's through sharing the gospel, the good news of Christ with them, whatever it's through, God is asking you to move in that person's life. And I believe the kingdom of God can grow like never before if we as believers would just understand that God has given us this talent, this treasure, this gift, and we'd go out and share it with those around us. Let's turn to Daniel chapter 3, verse 16. This is a very popular verse, a very popular story. Everyone knows this story. 
If you've read your Bible at all and you've heard the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Verse 16 says, of Daniel 3.16 says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. Let me pause there for a moment just in case you don't know the story. What... <laughs> if you don't know the story, what's happening is that uh, King Nebuchadnezzar has built a golden rabbit and he's asking, oh, wait a minute, that's the Veggie Tales version of that story. Wait a minute. Now, King Nebuchadnezzar has built this idol, this golden idol, and he's asking them to go and worship this idol. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have not bowed to this idol, and so therefore they've been brought to the king, and the king has heard that they have not bowed, and the king has told them he will give them one more chance to bow, and he says, and their response is, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If, the be, if this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery fur, furnace. And if he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. I love this story. I love the bravery of Radshak, Meshach, and Abednego. They stand before the king. They are well-known. They are well-liked in the kingdom. And they stand before the king. And the king has said that not only will, if you don't worship this idol, you're going to be thrown into the furnace and you're going to be burnt. And what do they do? They stand in the face of the issues of the world around them. They stand in the pressure of everything that's going on. And they still worship God. There's no question here what Radshak, Meshach, and Abednego were doing. They were worshiping God, and they weren't going to worship anything else. They weren't going to make a choice. They weren't going to fall. They weren't going to fall to the temptation of this world. They weren't going to be persuaded by even threats on their life. And he says to them, or he says to them, but if not, he says, if this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or the worship the golden image. What they're actually saying to him is that, listen, Lord, or listen, King Nebuchadnezzar, we are going to follow the Lord. We're going to follow him no matter what. And if that means that we walk into this fiery furnace and we die, then so be it, we die. And we'll be known that we didn't bow down to your gods, we only bowed down to God himself. When I read this verse and I read this story, what comes across in my mind and what I think about today is what if that was this very moment today? What if you and I were faced with a fiery furnace? What if we are faced with the falling of our knee to Nebuchadnezzar or the golden image that he had created? Where would you be? Would you have the intestinal fortitude to stand up to Nebuchadnezzar and say, I'll take the fiery furnace because God will deliver me? Now, before you answer that question, You have to remember that we don't face anything clearly as close as a fiery furnace. And that keeps us away from worshiping God in many ways today. You may in your heart say, yeah, I'd stand up to that fiery furnace. Really? Do you stand up to the people around you when they question your faith? Yeah, I'd stand up to that fiery furnace. Oh yeah, really? When you're tired on Sunday morning, instead of coming and praising God and worshiping worshiping your God, what do you do? Let's stay in bed because I'm just a little too tired. I'd stand up to the fiery furnace. Oh yeah? Prove it. Nebuchadnezzar asked them to prove it, and they did. They proved it because they came against. See, we don't have fiery furnaces today. But do you know, you know, this past week with all of the things that happened in Afghanistan and all of the things that happened, I was so distraught. I still am. This has hit me 
probably not as quite as hard as 9-11 hit me, but it's just something about this event. It's earth-shaking, it's heaven-shaking. There's something that happened in that country that's just tearing me up. And I've been praying about, and I've been praying for these people. And as I was praying for them, I got an email that said there's 220 Christians, missionaries and Christians, in a certain city north of Kabul, Kabul, or however you say that, They received a letter from the Taliban last week after we abandoned that country and said, you will not be going to that city to fly out. And as soon as we're gone, we will come and behead every single one of you. As I read this email that was being written by the missionary, this missionary wasn't asking to be removed. This missionary wasn't asking to be saved. In fact, the verse that they quoted was this verse 18 of Daniel chapter 3. But if not, be it known to you, O king, O Taliban, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. They're willing to die for their faith. They're willing to accept whatever that is that they have to accept, to stay there, to witness. The email went on to say that never before have they seen so many Afghanistan people coming to know the Lord because they know they're in dire straits. But these men and ladies who are accepting the Lord right now know that they're probably accepting a death sentence. Now when I think about that and I try to ration that in my head, how can we look at them and be struck and be, oh, that's, I mean, My heart is breaking for them. But how can we say that we'd be willing to walk into the fiery furnace when we don't even come close to that amount of persecution and we fail every single day on on an every single day basis on what the Lord wants us to do? The excuses that we come up with, the things that we say, all of these things that we're willing to put in front of our faith is not anywhere close to the fiery furnace that they face or what these Afghanistan citizens and missionaries are facing right now. The real question is how can we give our life up to God when we're not even willing to give up our time, talent, and treasure? How can we say in this place that we're willing to give all that we have to Him but yet then we're going to hang on to these things and we're not going to go out and we're not going to share the gospel of Christ with those around us. We're not going to volunteer. We're not going to pray. We're not going to do these things. We're not going to see the kingdom of God growing because guess what? I'm just a little too busy, pastor. You don't understand. Yeah, I do understand. I get it. But God is calling you and I to make a difference. He's calling us to grow and we can't be willing to give up our life for God if we're not willing to give up our time, talents, and treasure. Because, oh, by the way, that is our life. Today, our fiery furnace is the laziness, the, the, the busyness, all of the other things in our life that keep us away from sharing the gospel of Christ with those around us. That is the fiery furnace that we should face today. And, but we need to stand up to that fiery furnace and say, I'm willing to give all that I have for you. I think in our hearts, we want to face that fiery furnace but oftentimes in our actions, we come up very short. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 through 25 says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as in the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. See, today you and I have to understand that we are in the day that is drawing near. Hebrews tells us, the writer of Hebrews is telling us not to neglect meeting together. He's telling us not to, he's telling us to consider how we can stir up one another to love and good works, how we can get each other busy to do what the Lord has called us to do. He's encouraging us to go forward and share our faith, but it's with each other. See, listen, I can do and I can stand up and preach all I want, but ultimately at the end of the day, it's what all of us together collectively do to serve our community, to win our community to Christ, to see the kingdom of God grow that matters most. Doesn't matter what I preach here. Well, maybe it does. I'm not going to get up here and preach row, row, row your boat, right? That would be silly. (laughs) 
But the truth of the matter is, is that what I say here is only a very small portion of who we are as a church. What I say here, what all pastors in every church says, is a very small portion of what actually happens in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God actually grows more, not from preaching, but it grows more from the actual people being discipled, growing, and going out into the public, and going out into the kingdom of God, and seeing and winning people to Christ. That is the stirring up of one another to love and good works. That's the encouragement that we're supposed to do, that we're supposed to come along and say, keep going, you can do it. That's the, the love that we share. If you've walked around, if you walked away from your faith, you've walked away from a situation because someone has hurt you, the question really has to be asked is are you serving that person or are you serving God? We need to continue pushing forward and learning how to stir each other up. How do we stir each other up? How do we encourage each other to go forward? How do we encourage people to work and to grow the kingdom of God? We need to get serious in our faith today because I believe around us, the world around us needs Christians who are going to share this love. Who aren't going to go out and say, listen, you can't serve God because you do this, that, and that. No, we need to go and say, God loves you. Yes, there are things I'm going to speak about when I, uh, in a few weeks, we're going to be speaking about the unity of the body of Christ and what that means. And, And I'm so sick and tired of hearing, should I wear a mask or should I not wear a mask? And if you wear a mask, you're bad. And if you don't wear a mask, then you're not bad. Oh, and by the way, if you got vaccinated, you don't trust God. But if you're not vaccinated... The anti-vaxxers against the vaxxers, the maskers against the not... I'm so tired of all of that. And you know, and all of that is happening inside the church as much as it's happening outside the church. (laughs) It's ridiculous. Listen, if you want to wear a mask because it makes you feel safe, wear a mask, please. If you want to get vaccinated because it makes you feel safe, please get vaccinated. If you don't want to get vaccinated because you're afraid that the government's going to be plugging something into your body, don't. It's not, listen, but either way, whether you're vaccinated, wearing a mask or not wearing a mask, guess what? I'm going to love you anyway. I'm going to come up beside you and I'm going to say, guess what, brother? I can pray for you and I can love you and we can still do stuff together because that's not the end of the world. God is calling us to use the talents and treasures that we have to stir up the good works and to have a faith like Radshak, Meshach, and Abednego who stood in the fiery furnace and knew that God was going to save them. That believed God was going to save them but had faith even if they didn't. My question to you today is If you're in the middle of facing a fiery furnace, can you have faith? Do you have people around you that's going to stir up your faith? Do you have people around you that's going to encourage you to say, let's go? Are you going to see the talents and treasures that the Lord has given to you to see them being prospered in the kingdom of God? Come forward, worship team, please. The question really has to be asked is, what are you doing with all of these talents and treasures? What are you doing with these things that the Lord has given to you? God has given you these talents and these treasures. Let's not set on them. There's people out there today that are just waiting to hear the message, the good news, the gospel of Christ. Because, and they have, you have a way of sharing that with them. There are many opportunities. Listen, I could go on and on and on about what we're doing. And, and listen, if you want to come and stick your hand in cotton candy and then go up to a little kid at the, at Randolph, or Randolph, at the balloon affair and say, look this up. No, I'm kidding. Don't do that. Cotton candy, we're going to give away. Popcorn, we're going to do all of those things. Why? Because we like cotton candy and popcorn. Let's, oh, let's face the truth. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> because we want to open up a conversation with the people around us. Today, you can go in your workforce and wherever you're at today and start a conversation by sharing the love of Christ with them.
Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 says, and let us consider how to stir one and up one another to love and good works. That's what we should be doing with each other, encouraging, encouraging each other, loving each other, telling them we need to go forward. We stand with me, please. I love, I love the story of Ratchak, Meshach, and Abednego. I've always loved it, even since I was in a little kid. The reason why I love it so much is because I aspire to have faith like they have. In the heart and the heat of the fiery furnace, when all the world is pressing in on us, when there doesn't seem to be a way out, they still stood up for Christ. They still stood up for God. They shared the message. They made a difference. And what happens through that? What happened through that whole entire story? When they go into the fire, you know the story, you know what happened. God showed up and he delivered them from the burning fire. The men on the outside, the, the very uh, guards that were supposed to be stoking the fire died because the flame was so hot, yet they come out with no smell of smoke at all on their clothes. I believe God. some of God's greatest miracles happen when we make the step of faith to stand in that fiery furnace. When we make a difference and say, I'm going to stand up to whatever I'm facing today and say, no, my faith is more important to this. And so therefore, I'm going to do this. Share the gospel. I'm going to make a difference and say, listen, I'm going to make us. Sorry, I can't work on Sundays because I go, I go to church. My faith means more to me than that. Sorry, I need to do this because whatever it is, the Lord is asking you to face that fire furnace. Let's do it together. Let's stir up one another. Let's love each other again. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for what you're doing in our midst, and I thank you for what you're doing here at Passion Community Church and all the churches around this great land and world that you gave to us. And Father, as we cry out to you, the very first thing I say is, Lord, do a miracle. Do a Radshak, Meshach, and Abednego miracle for these men and ladies in Afghanistan who are facing execution. Father, save them today. And then, Lord, I pray even more, even as important as that, that you would help us as believers people who have accepted you and what you've done on the cross and said, yes, I'm a sinner. I accept what Jesus Christ did for me. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to come into my heart, come into my life. When we have done that, you are a believer. If you are a believer today, Lord, I pray for them. I pray for myself and ask you, help us not to bury our talents. Help us not to judge each other based upon the amount of talents that we have, but let us judge based upon what we're doing with the talents that you've given to us. Lord, help us today. Guide us today. Direct us today to do your will. Father, I pray that as we each and separately face the situations in our life that you've asked us to face, may we have the faith of Radshak, Meshach, and Abednego. May we have that faith that we can face whatever comes before us because we're with you. Lord, we're tired. Maybe it's me. I'm tired of excuses, Father. I'm tired of the excuses I give. I'm tired of the excuses other people give. I'm tired of all of these excuses. They don't mean anything, Father. They're just excuses. And so I pray right now, Father, in this place, that you help us and you send us forth the people that you've called us to be, to using the talents and the treasures that we have to see the kingdom of God grow. 
Holy Spirit, I ask you that you're moving right now in the hearts and the minds of all of the people that are in this room and that are watching online. May they hear from you, Father. May they hear from you, Holy Spirit. May you guide them and direct them. And may we see your kingdom grow, Father. May we see people baptized. May we see people, the kingdom, the number of people growing into the kingdom of God advance greatly. Because we, your people, who are called by your name are going on and doing what you asked us to do. Lord, forgive us. Forgive us for falling short and not doing what you asked us to do. Help us to be real in our faith. We love you, Lord. We ask you that you guide us and direct us this day and every day. We praise you. We lift you up. We give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship together. So, just real quick, before we sing this last song, um, I want to add one more thing to this. You know, we talked about the gloves are coming off. And uh, I want to add the part that Pastor Jason is too humble to add. If you want a good place to start with this, with knowing where to serve, how to serve, what to do, what should I do next, the place to start is by serving this man. Is like the number one rule of being a member of a church is you got to serve the Lord. Number one rule is you got to serve God. Number two rule, you got to serve the leadership of that church. There's a couple ways that, as a congregation, that we can do this. I, I promise I'm not going to be long. You've already listened to a whole sermon. The first way that we can do this is by telling Him what God is teaching you. If you think that sermons are too long, maybe we're just not listening the way that we need to be doing. And I want to challenge you, the next time you hear a sermon, try taking notes during that sermon. Then throughout the week, actually apply what you're hearing. And then going back and telling him how I can tell you from just a, a pure teaching standpoint, nothing makes a teacher feel better than watching one of their students get that aha moment of, I got it, I understand what's going on. The next thing that we should be doing as members of the church to serve this man is filling in where we see a need. Church isn't just a restaurant where we come, we sit down, and somebody brings us our meal. Church is a collective
John 10 says, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy your life. The number one target of the devil is going to be this man here. Because if this man falls, the whole church will fall. There's so many examples of you know, the, the senior pastor, the, the guy in charge, just uh, having a, a little issue and it just splits an entire church apart. When the heart is under fire Another way when the walls are closing And when I look at the space between Now the power lives in me. 
with us even in the midst of our storms and the fiery furnaces that come into our lives Lord you are with us every step that we go and that even means as we walk out of these doors today as we shut off our computers at home as whatever we're doing as we leave this place of worship you are with us wherever we go and so Lord I pray may we have the faith the faith that knew that you were going to be there in the fire with Radshak, Meshach, and Abednego. May we have that same faith as we step out into the world around us. And may we use the talents and the treasures and the skills and all of the things that you've given to us to see your kingdom grow. Help us today, Father. Direct us, guide us, and help us to do that work today as you're standing next to us, even in the middle of the fire. Thank you, Lord. We glorify you, we honor you, and we praise you now. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you all. Hope you have a wonderful week. We'll see you again next week.